How about turning into Deuteronomy? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. When uh, God spoke to my heart several weeks ago, somebody said to me, does God really speak to you? Um, Yeah. If he doesn't, I I wouldn't even be a pastor. I I wouldn't be even saved. See, I would have just been living my life like I used to live my life. But I heard the voice of God. He actually, for me, he gave me a dream. Anybody else have a dream about God? Did anybody have something like that, that maybe it drew you to him? Maybe it revealed himself to you through a dream. I I hope you did. I hope you have something, um, some way that God um, reveals himself to you. Amen? So in Deuteronomy, here's the thing, is that this whole thing about I was uh, going off about my life, you know, it's sometimes very frustrating to be a pastor because if people aren't, uh, aren't, aren't a problem for you, you're a problem for yourself. That's just the nature of the beast, we call it, if you will. It's what happens. How many of you notice sometimes people can be difficult? Anybody? Okay, I'm amongst colleagues. So what you do with that makes a world of difference about how you're going to be able to walk before God. See, because what you have to do is take all that stuff captive and then splat right onto the cross. That's what you have to do. Because guess what? Offense will come. Stumbling blocks will come. There will be people to disappoint you, if not outright harass you. And guess what you got to do with it? Can you say that? Come on. That's only a quarter. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and spit on him. No, don't do that. Here's the deal is that's what we have to do is we have to go. Boom, casting our cares upon him. Do you know what, that, what that's what that means? <laughs> Nailing, Paul says, having nailed it to the cross. Having nailed it to the cross. <laughs> Why? Because otherwise, if you don't get it out of you by taking it there, it comes out and you vomit on everybody. Ew, pretty word. That's what you do. You vomit on other people. You defile people. See, that's not okay with God. You know why? His girl, his boy, his girl, his boy. He doesn't like you puking on each other. Amen? How many of you are bosses or supervisors in the room? You guys are in charge of somebody or something, a department. Maybe it's just that you are supposed to watch a shoe. That's your privilege. Watch that shoe. Anybody? Security guards? Yeah. Different positions. You're in charge of something or someone. How many of you have some superiority? Or what's the other rank they call it? Seniority. That's what. How many of you have some seniority? Come on, I know some of you have been at your jobs for a while. You've got seniority. You're not the first one going to be cut or axed, right? So you've got some position of privilege. You know that, right? Well, you ever heard the phrase, who, who died and made you boss? Huh? Who died and made you boss? You know when we usually say that? That's kind of poison. That's the kind of stuff that comes out of us when, when we're not happy. Who died and made you boss? You know why? Because that's the spirit of Satan, the accuser. That's the spirit of Satan who comes to destroy, to tear down. Who made you boss? See? And what it does is it's meant to bring somebody else down so that we can rise above that. We never just want to be eye to eye, do we? Usually when the flesh is there, flesh wants to manifest itself and wants to, to rise up and be in a place of, here I am. We do that in a lot of different ways if it's from... Well, I'm not going to go there yet. So who died and made you boss? We're going to answer that question at the end of our time here. Sovereign is the word, the sovereignty of God. We're talking about the greatness of God. So the greatness of God leads us to his attributes. And those are the things that explain, expound on, describe him. 
And so we're there because God said, I want you talking about me, meaning him. God said, I want you to be talking about me. So, folks, that's what the mission is here, is for us to know him and to to know him in his fullness as he is, not how we want to make him. How many know that a whole, whole people rejected him when he came, and he came in the simplest and humblest form, and people rejected him? And it was the religious people who rejected him. So what that should tell us is that maybe he'll manifest himself in some way to us that we would almost want to reject it. We'd almost want to say, nah, that's, he wouldn't do that. Oh, really? Because that's what the whole New Testament is, is this revelation of God in the guy who, oh, he wouldn't do that. Serious? Yeah, he did. Yep, he did it. Just read one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And you'll see his exploits. And you'll see that he just did everything. And you've heard, but I say unto you. So sovereign is what? Monarch, a king, a queen, a supreme ruler. A person who has power or authority. A group or body of persons or a state having sovereign authority. Do you know that's the way our our actual government is set up? Is the states have a sovereignty. Each state has a sovereignty. That we are collectively together under the United States of America. We're all supposed to have the same basic constitution. See? And that this is how we live our lives. And when we all recognize each other's sovereignty. So you got the three different branches of government, right? So that the president doesn't hold all the power, but then you've got what? The judicial system. And then you've got the legislature. And between them, what they do is it's called a balance of power. Does that sound like I'm close even? And the reason for it is to stop from having a dictator. Okay? So what happens is, is that we've got all these things that are set up all around us. We've got examples of sovereignty, sovereignty. So a person whose power, sovereign power or authority, a group or a state having sovereign authority. Right now it's being challenged because Arizona is saying that, you know, the the big guy, the government isn't taking care of our borders. We're going to take care of our borders ourselves because you, we don't like the way you're doing it. I don't care how you line up on immigration and all that other stuff. The issue is, is that this is an example of sovereignty. We've got to protect our borders because you're not protecting our borders. And they're battling right now over sovereignty. Who's going who's gonna to win? Well, the problem is, is they come out with a, it's kind of a yes on this side and no on this side. So it's not very clear who's actually in charge. That's just in Arizona. See? So now it's the sovereignty of the state is challenging the sovereignty of the government. For example... The whole thing about health care. And the reason that that ended up going, that the president proposes it, Congress passes it, it goes out, the people didn't necessarily approve of it, and so then it becomes a judicial issue. The, the attorneys general in each of the states who have filed a complaint and said, we don't believe this is constitutional. So thereby, then it goes into the Supreme Court, And they're the one that determines. Before that, there's the appellate court and there's all these other places where they're trying to resolve it on the lowest levels. And eventually they can't. So it goes to the Supreme Court. And then just recently, we had an edict from the Supreme Court that made a determination once for all about certain certain elements of the health care law. You with me? I think I've got the details pretty close. Okay? That's government actually working. The problem is... People that are appointed for you and me who are supposed to be doing what we want, we question if they're doing what we want. Do you think? Yeah, so what happens is, is that there's some people who have bigger mouth than the others do. You ever notice that? Squeaky wheel gets oiled. So, so here's the thing about sovereignty is that it ends up that those people, they have a level of sovereignty and it's spread out among different people. Now, when you think about, I don't know if you've heard of the Jethro principle, but it goes back to Moses and the idea when, you know, that's the father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law, 
And he says, dude, you're going to kill yourself. There's like a million people. How can you hear all these cases? How can you do all this? He says, you need to go out. And he says, you faithful people and appoint and give them jurisdiction over 10 people and over 100 people and over 1,000 people. Give them some sort of authority to shepherd these smaller numbers. And then when they can't handle it, it'll come up to you. See? So that's kind of a, that's even a branch, folks, if you're not sure about the Bible and you're not sure about God and all this other. I'm telling you, that's just a, a small example existed before the United States of America where there was a form of government that carried this out that said this is a good way to do it in general. But here's the thing. God's always wanted to be number one. From the very beginning, it's him. It's about him and what he created and who he created us for him, see? Let us make man in our image, see? And then he'd come down and he'd fellowship with them. We know that story. Most of you know that story. So here it is. Sovereign, belonging to royalty, having supreme rank, preeminent, indisputable. You know what indisputable is? There's only, there's only one belt. There's only one champion. See, there's no co-champions. There's no... It's just one, indisputable. Utmost or extreme. Being above all others in character, importance, excellence. And then here's some synonyms. Give me some synonyms. Give me some synonyms. What is it? Wonderful. All-powerful. What's some other things for sovereign? All-knowing. Smarty pants, grandma would have said. Exclusive. The highest authority. That means if you climb to the highest authority, let's say Judge Roberts, right? Doesn't matter if you agree with it or not, that's the highest authority. When he gave it the final written opinion of the high court, the Supreme Court, guess what? The end of it. Okay, just stop. Just stop. That's what it is. Just stop. We, we've made a decision. Everybody has to abide by it until you vote and do whatever happens to make that go away. What else? How about, see, government itself is sovereign. How many of you have heard of uh, eminent domain? Tell me what eminent domain is. Where the government comes and takes their property. Have anybody had that happen here? I think that happened when Bel Air, when they brought seven down through Bel Air, there were some people that they just said, uh, we're all powerful, and uh, that's no longer yours. We're going to use it to build a little highway down through here. See ya. So they went to court, and courts determined that, yes, they had that right because they have this authority, and this is what's going to happen, and we'll pay you a fair market price, and we'll do whatever's make it decent somehow, hopefully. <laughs> See, the eminent domain is when, when somebody who is in all power exercises that power because what they found was somebody was in their way. See what I mean? That's when the exercise eminent domain is. You've got property or you've got a house where they want to do something which is for the greater good, so they're expecting you to yield to that greater good. Wow, that's not all that far away from what the the church is. You see what I'm saying? Now, we don't come in and exercise that kind of bust-you-down power. But the truth is, is that God wants us willingly to yield our lives to him for the greater good. That's exactly what Jesus did. The high priest says it's necessary for one to perish, one to die, that all should live. Did you know that? High priest says that. So here's the deal. Chief, paramount, kingly, queenly, imperial, predominant, effective. Those are all words. A person exercising supreme authority. See, this is... What I'm describing to you, and I'm using a lot about, about government, I'm describing to you is also sovereign as we should apply it to God himself. See? That he should be the most excellent. See, he's the one, he says, don't have any other gods before me. And now if you think that just means gods as in, you know, I saw a guy last night on gymnastics and, and the coach was some, he was rubbing some beads. He had a little, it was a Buddhist prayer band. I just wanted to be near enough to say, how's that working for you? 
because they didn't do so well either, by the way. And I thought, you know, there's a futility about all these things when we bring in and we worship lesser gods, when we put our, our hearts and our affection to seeking after something that, that, that's a, an abomination to God. It's not put, putting it to, to him. It's not trusting him. Tell me some ways we practice sovereignty. You practice sovereignty. What are some ways? You practice sovereignty. With your kids? What we say goes. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. How do we yield that sovereignty? When they go to a public school system and the school dictates what they're going to study and what they're going to learn and where they're going to go and the kind of movies they're going to watch. Do you know that? Got to be careful. That's why we have PTAs. That's why we have some influence. We've got to stay connected. What's some other ways we practice sovereignty? How many of you lock your doors at home? Did you lock your doors, by the way, before you came here? Otherwise, we know where to go and get stuff. You practice sovereignty when you lock your doors. You're determining this is my domain, this is my stuff, and you can't have it. Now, is it your stuff if you didn't lock the door? Why is that? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it ain't your stuff either way. What about the idea that what, what happens is if you didn't lock your door, it's still yours. Why? You paid for it, didn't you? But the credit card company might disagree with you if you hadn't paid that bill. Anybody ever had something repossessed? This is a day of confessions. I had something repossessed. Actually, somebody told me it was better if I voluntarily let them repossess it. Boy, that was ignorant. I surrendered the car. They sold it for half the price and charged me for the rest of the note, which was about half. So I paid $5,000 for a vehicle I no longer had. Wow, that was clever. Somebody repossessed it. Why? It wasn't really mine. It was only mine as long as I maintained the agreement, which was to pay for that product, see? Okay, what else, what else do we have sovereignty over? I want you thinking about sovereignty and the, the, the ways that we have it. See, you have it over your land, unless... You have it over your homes, right? What about legal rights? Do you guys have some legal rights? Do you get to tell the doctor, no, you won't take a certain medicine? Do you get to refuse some sort of procedure? See, when we yield sovereignty, doctor says, you go have a colonoscopy, and you don't question it. You just go ahead and have one. Why? Because people are doing it, because you might have something. Yes, and I might not. Well, that's flippant. No, it just might be that I haven't heard the Lord on that yet, and I'm not willing to give that over to somebody else because they just make a decree that we should do this. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to make sure I'm just not going through those motions. See? So when you think about it, there's areas where we begin to yield that, that aren't necessarily that we're yielding to God. We're just yielding to some process or procedure. Why is that? I won't go too much further on that one. How about contracts? When you sign, you sign a contract. You're going to do something or someone else is going to do something. There's a sovereignty of that, isn't there? We talked about your possessions. How about your vehicles? It's called theft for a reason. You own it, right? If somebody comes and steals it, it was supposedly yours or it's the bank's. See, what happens in a lot of life is that we're only temporary possessors, aren't we? We don't really own it to the, to the sovereign degree because here's what God says. He, says. he says, don't store up for yourself treasures where? In this life. Why? This is where what happens to them? Moth and rust. Yeah. And so what happens is it's only that which is gold, silver, and precious jewels. Those are the only things that are going to really last, he says. You ever think about that, that that's because he created those things versus man-made? So how about this? Why is sovereignty important? 
Sovereignty is important because it matters with our whole outlook on life. It matters how we live our lives. If you believe in sovereignty or if you don't believe in sovereignty, because the truth is you'll find out that you're not your boss if you believe or you don't believe. Everybody has a boss. Either every authority exists because there is one authority or no authority exists. What do you say? True or false? Either every authority exists because there is one authority or no authority exists. What do you think? True? How do we get there? It doesn't sound like we're all that certain if that's a true statement or not. I believe it is a true statement. I mean, it's my own statement, but I believe it's true. Because here's what happens is, how can you actually have any authority? How can you have any sovereignty if there isn't a standard of sovereignty? Do you get my point? How can you actually be the boss of anybody if there isn't some ultimate boss? See? To claim it for your own right, but to deny that somebody else is sovereign. See? It can't coexist. That's an oxymoron, let's call it. So, every authority exists because there's one authority or no authority exists. Why should I listen to the principal, the policeman, the doctor? Why should I listen to anybody who's in authority if they don't recognize authority? Now, you know what they do? They recognize man-made authority. They recognize process, whatever that is. If you, whatever industry you have, whatever kind of structure you have, there's somebody who is partnership. There's a 51 and a 49. There's, we have a group. We have a board. We have, we have some level of hierarchy. Do you get it? And that's all. What is that? It's a greatly devised plan to how to structure the organization and get things done and make stuff happen. How is it that we, we create something that models the kingdom of God And then we deny the existence of the king. Do you see? That's where sovereignty begins to break down. And it breaks down at the level in the church. It breaks down at this level when we don't honor those who are in authority. When we don't honor those who are sovereign. Do you get it? Because what we're doing is we're shaking our fist at the sovereign one who is the supreme authority. See? And yet we want authority. We want anointing, we want gifting, we want ability, we want a b- talent, we want to use this. We, we're asking God, bless me, bless me. And yet what we're doing is, on the other hand, we're rejecting his authority. Why? Because you don't get to just receive the authority that you want to receive because it's not really a, a, a heart that is surrendered. You're always holding on to a little part of I'm in charge. Anybody there? I'm in charge. Why? I'm in charge if I'm going to forgive you. I'm in charge if I'm going to help you. I'm in charge because I'm making my plan. If I don't like your plan, I just reject that. Sometimes that might be the authority. So here it is, John 8, 42. You know what Jesus said in John 8, 42? Sorry, because I didn't give them, but they might pull it up for us, but that's okay, Kenny, if not. John 8, 42 says this. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. He sent me. I didn't. Jesus himself. Jesus. He says, I didn't come on my own initiative. He sent me. I've been obedient to do what he said for me to do. Are you serious? You're coming to be beat down like that? You're coming to be broken? You're coming to hang on a cross? You're going to be spit on? They're going to pluck, pull your beard? They're going to stick a crown of thorns on your head? Are you serious? You came and said, go ahead, authority, do with with me whatever you want. Wow. And yet we won't want to be like Jesus, will we? Oh no, you're not doing that to me. No way. Oh, yeah? So you stand for your own rights. How about letting him be your defender? That's who he says he is. Well, what if they just crush me? You'll be like Jesus. whole book of Philippians is all about this idea of how Christ emptied himself of his authority. 
and gave himself to be run over, to be hung on a cross, to be mistreated, humiliated. And why did he do all that? And then Paul talks about it and says, I have counted it joy that I, I get to share in his suffering. Suffering at who? Suffering at the hands of people. And what do we do? Oh, I want all the, the biggest guys I want right up here. You're my bodyguard from now on. I've got an entourage. Yeah, nobody's messing with me. Guess what? That's not the way God intended it. So what happens is God appoints, see? It's called shared sovereignty. It's a principle that happened first in the garden. Did you know that? Because it's called the sovereignty of God. He's the one when there was nothing else he created. And then there's the sovereignty of man. And this is what he did. He gave man choice. See? So he gave man a sovereignty. He says, here it is. It's all for you. He says, I want you to, first of all, reflect my image. You're created in my image. We're supposed to reproduce that image. See? Perfection. That's what we're supposed to reproduce. Then he said, here it is. I've given you all these things. He says, we're supposed to, what? Rule over all that he's created. We're supposed to rule. You know what that was? That's given us sovereignty over every created thing, over every bird, over every uh, fish, over every animal. Sovereignty. Wow. He gave man sovereignty. He gave us choice. There's a little thing. It's, it's one of the, the textbooks of, of uh, theology, let's call it. It says, the Bible teaches both... Uh, teaches God's sovereignty, but, but that God is sovereign but not arbitrary. Man has freedom of choice and will with certain limitations. Our inability to reconcile these positions makes one, uh, one position or the other untrue. Our inability to see how both can be true at the same time is due to our finite human comprehension. God can be sovereign without violating man's essential freedom. So is God sovereign or is man sovereign? And that's the point that they're considering. The bottom line is, it says, Dr. R.A. Torrey, he sets forth foreknowledge as a basis for reconciling predestination and man's freedom of choice. And then he goes on, knowledge is determined by the fact, not the fact, by the knowledge. It's actually the greatness of God is that he actually shares sovereignty and he gives us this ability to choose. So he shared his sovereignty. The attribute by which he, in, he rules his entire creation. It's the application of his other attributes of being all-knowing and all-powerful. It makes him absolutely free to do what he knows to be best. God is in control of everything that happens. Man still has a free will and is responsible for his choices in life. That, folks, sometimes is called consequences. It's what we get ourselves into, and then we have to face the music sometimes. You ever recognize that? So John 8, he goes this way. He says, Jesus says it in uh, verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 54 and 59. But if you read 8, you're getting the jest. There's a lot in there just about what Jesus says. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. See, that's the problem with self-appointed authority is that if it's self-appointed authority, so who died and made you boss? So why do you think you're all that? See, that's the problem with self-appointed authority is because what you do is you have to diminish other people to become the authority yourself. That isn't pleasing to God. That's a point of arrogance, if not pride. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Wow. You know what he's saying when he says I am? I am sovereign. I am all-powerful. I am king. I am Lord. He's putting himself in the position with his father and says, we are. 
But by saying I am, he identifies himself fully as the, he's, he carries this level of authority. He carries this level of power. It says in here, it says John 10, 25 and 30. It goes, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. These testify of me. Folks, that's why we're supposed to have fruit. The fruit of the Spirit and the fruit fruit of living water in us is because we need to show people the power of God. We need to show, if we walk appropriately in His authority, what He'll do is He'll give us authority. It's called a deputy authority. It's a matter of He needs laborers. So He deputizes us and He gives us an anointing and He gives us power and He says, okay, as you honor me and as you serve me and if you humble yourself, I'm going to exalt you into a position where you have authority and you can speak over principalities and you can speak and you can bind and you can loose. But if you won't recognize that authority, we end up with some sort of confused, confounded place where we have limited, if any, results. And we wonder why the church is so powerless. It's because we haven't really come face to face with his sovereignty. And we're not recognizing authority. See, a pastor can't, I can't make you do anything, can I? I can suggest things to you. I can even give you certain, I can make you jump through some sort of hoops if I wanted to. But it's all up to you if you jump through them or not. So you know what happens? Many times people just go from one place to another. Because they're not going to jump through those hoops. Meanwhile, pastor says, I don't, I don't have any authority. I don't have any. My authority is from him. My authority is mine, irregardless of what other people give or allow me. It's, it's only what I have if I serve others and do it right that I carry this authority. Wow. Doesn't matter. It's a blessing for those who want to submit to that authority because you get the benefit of it. That's the idea of it. Some sort of real, here it is. Hey, you get, you get wisdom. You get, you get some direction. You get some sort of purpose in life. And yes, in the local confines of the church is that we minister and we, you have gifts and abilities and we give you some, some way to use those in a tangible way. Oh, you don't need it. You can go out there and minister highways and byways. You're supposed to. But part of it is, is you need somebody to lead you. And that's why he says he'll appoint a shepherd after his own heart. I agree, not all shepherds are after his own heart. I agree, sometimes I'm selfish. I agree, sometimes I get whacked out. That's why Paul says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. There'll be some areas where I may not follow him. And in those places, you might want to stand back and say, hmm, I'm not sure about that colonoscopy thing. But folks, part of the reason is in the churches that everybody is battling in the Christians. Christianity is in such terrible shape because of how we want to come against each other and how we want to, we want to, we, we have to somehow knock the others down. Well, those Baptists, they don't believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in speaking in tongues. Oh yeah, great and mighty are you. And at whose, they, yeah. Their expense. Why did we have to do this and, and beat them down to, to do this? That's not pleasing to God. Well, those Catholics, don't knock it off. Gosh, you know, the guys back there, they actually have a better plan than sometimes the way they do it. It, it gets lost in there, but I'm convinced that it was not necessarily a priest's fault. It was our fault because we didn't actually apply any of it. We were going through the motions just like, Christians in all kinds of churches go through the motions. So, you know, you don't hear me railing against these other things like that. If you do, that's my flesh. What I know is that it takes all kinds to reach all kinds, and I'm okay with that as long as they're exalting God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and and the, the few ordinances we can agree on. Communion and baptism, water baptism. Oh, okay, they sprinkle, we dunk. Whatever. You say it in Jesus' name, we say it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whatever. Do you get the idea? If somebody else has to diminish for you to win, then that's not God. Because guess what God does? He takes the diminished and he raises them up. His idea is not that you diminish somebody else, but we all come to diminish ourselves. I must decrease, he must increase. You see? If you want greater authority in your life, that's the way it's going to be, is you begin to celebrate 
God's appointed authority, how he's revealed himself in all of creation. Now, that's okay because you could say, well, power pastor's on a power trip. Yeah, his power. If you want to see it in your life, then you have to tap into that power source. Tap into the grid. See, that's the way it works. Well, I'm going to generate my own power. Okay. Ouch. He says this. He says, I told you, you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify of me, but you do not believe me because you're not, of, you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you get that? Oh, I'm not going there. Oh, I don't agree that's of the Lord. Uh-uh. Okay, stand in the shadows. Go over there, do that, live your life. But don't keep blaming somebody else for your lackluster, dim-witted, no power eh, life. You get it? Because that's what we want to do, blame somebody. Go ahead, point somebody. Tell them it's your fault. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You know what that is? That's sovereignty. That's why you want God's sovereignty, because he says, I hold you in the palm of my hand, and nobody can mess with you. You get that? That's what you want. Now, why does he allow that bad things happen? Why is it that we can pray? Why is it that we're doing all this, and calamity after calamity comes upon us? Do you know why? Because we won't know his sovereignty unless we have some calamity. Do you realize that without that we're, we're, we're capable and we're likely to begin to build our own tower to get to him. We'll want to reject what he says I want you to do. Instead, we're going to build it. We're going to do it ourselves. And God says we got to mess with them. Why? Otherwise, they think they can actually do it and accomplish it. Man, they put their minds to it. So we come down and he says, he says, let's confuse their language. Do you know that's part of the biggest problem with relationships? Is it communication? Still is. Even if we speak English, it's still a big problem, isn't it? We don't do so good at understanding each other. Matthew says, Do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. I'm telling you, we've lost the way in in America where it used to be that they're there to serve, that government and officials are there for us. They're our representatives, see? We've lost our way somehow and to where now they make things and they're ruling over us and they're not willing to, to, to put on, gird on the towel and to wash the feet anymore. See, that was the model of servant leadership that Jesus has given to us. Folks, if you want to know how to to rise in your organization, you begin to exalt, you begin to appreciate, you begin to respect, you begin to honor your bosses, those who are in authority over you, and I'll tell you, pretty soon you'll be climbing over them. Because that principle will work, and it'll be that somebody who's in authority up here, your boss may not respect, you get close enough and you listen to his language and how he's beginning to come against his boss. And what will happen is you'll realize that kind of spirit, it won't go unrewarded, if you will. It'll get rewarded. And what will happen is, is that you'll rise above because your spirit and your heart toward, toward, uh, toward the ultimate authority, that's going to just, you're going you're gonna to leapfrog other people in, in your path. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to report them. You don't have to tape record them. You don't have to do any of that. The hidden things will be revealed. Do you believe that? That's called the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty of God says, nothing's going to stay hidden. It will be revealed in my time, in my way. So guess what he tells us? Be careful. There's only, only a few things that he says we're supposed to reveal, we're supposed to bring out into the open. Otherwise, you stand back. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Well, so what's the big deal about that? Because he's sovereign and he can. See? I'm not really scared. When little kids come up and say they're going to beat me up. 
Steve, if you said you were going to beat me up, I'd probably be a little more at least fearful in the flesh. I'd be like, bring it in the spirit, but I'd, you know, in the flesh, I'd be like, all right, let's go forward. Folks, can I give you a reading assignment? Read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Do you know why? Because it talks about the sovereignty of God. You know how it talks about the sovereignty of God? It talks about the sovereignty of God in that Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, see, he ended up being punished. He ended up being put on the cross. He ended up being put in the grave, and the grave couldn't hold him. And it talks about resurrection and tells us that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we, we are the most of all to be pitied. We have no testimony, and we're just living a farce. See? So I love that, that whole passage in there. But one of the things that it says is, he says this, if you, you are saved by this, uh, in, in verse 15, I'm sorry, in, in uh, chapter uh, 15, verses 1 and 2, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, good news, which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. God gave us an authoritative word. It's called Scripture. It's called the Bible. And in there, he discloses his own sovereignty. He says, we're going to go out to battle. And then while they're sleeping, he goes out and wipes out 85,000 of them. They wake up the next morning expecting some big fight. And guess what happened? Vengeance is mine. I will repay. And they just go around saying, hmm, that's a nice scarf. I get this and I get that. Where's, all, where's, all, where's the fight? The battle belongs to the Lord. If you won't take up fisticuffs, if you won't take up the sword, see, he cuts the sword off. They're talking about pruning share, pruning uh, whatever those are, and, and swords, and he says, enough. And when he cuts off the, the, the ear, remember that? In the garden, he says, enough. Stop taking matters into your own hand, he says. Follow my lead, Jesus says. That is, there's this T-shirt I have. Christianity is, is, is religion is hanging around the cross. Christianity is getting on the cross. He says, if you want to live, you got to die. If you, want to, if you want to be my disciple, you'll take up your cross and follow me. How many of you have been, been bur- uh, bearing some crosses? You know what they're called? They're called illness. It's called injury. It's called injustice. Sometimes those are our crosses, and he wants you to stop griping about it and complaining about it. He wants you just to take it up and trust him. That's called sovereignty, because why? He holds me in the palm of his hand, and nobody can snatch me out of it. Wow, the injury done to you is injuring him. Do you understand that? That's how important it is. It's not like he goes unaffected by, by a six-year-old who died in a theater out there. and He's not, he's not uh, husbands and, and all the things that happened and girlfriends and the massacre. He weeps over that. Do you understand that? But how did we ever get to a culture where we no longer recognize authority but take matters into our own hands and dress according to how we want to dress and take our freedom and go in and start shooting? Well, how are you doing that? Who have you been killing? How many bosses have you taken out? Oh, not not literally, but figuratively. Sovereignty requires trust. That's exactly why Jesus could come and and submit himself to humanity because he trusted the Father. That's what you and I will do. If we're going to yield to sovereignty, we're going to have to trust the Father. Joel used a passage last week from Jeremiah 1.12. It says, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. This was young Jeremiah. He's trying to reveal himself to him, and he's telling him, I've got a job for you, Jeremiah. I've got some things I need for you to declare on my behalf because you're flesh, and and I choose to do it this way. Do you know that's true today, that we're flesh, and God wants to reveal his word through you and me? And so he says to Jeremiah, he sets up a couple things there to test him. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? 
And in this case, he said, I'm going to give you the words to speak. Here's another way that says it in New Living Translation says, that's right. It means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out all my plans. How many of you, God spoke something to your heart. He's given you something that you're holding on to and you're saying, yeah, but when God, but when God, this, I don't believe I generated this myself. It's something you put in me. It's, it's your greatness, God. And I'm, I'm just crying out for it. I'm waiting for it. I'm anxious for it, God. I want to see it happen. I want your kingdom come. Your will be done. I've got to have it, God. Please, Lord. What is it? Is it me? Then show me, God. See, that's what he wants from you is he wants to stir you up and he wants you, he wants you passionate about what he's put in your heart. He wants you to test that. Go ahead, test that spirit. See if it's from him. That's what he says. Don't just take matters into your own hands. Go ahead, bring it to a pastor. Bring it to an elder. Bring it to an older Christian, uh, uh, somebody with a mom and dad, a grandma, grandpa of the faith. Run it by him and see if, it's, if, if it stands. Sometimes it'll, it'll, it'll wilt like this. Why? That's just dumb. Really? Yep. You're not dumb. It's dumb. Okay. What do you, what'd you, what would you do? Well, this is what I do. Wow. That sounds cool. Okay. I see why this was dumb. That's called yieldedness, folks. You can come on up, Joel, worship team. True sovereignty requires yieldedness. When Pilate, remember Pilate and Jesus there when he's on trial? He says to him, he says, Pilate, uh, they'd said that Jesus is making himself to be king, see? So again, we're threatened by authority. So what he does is Pilate says, "Um, where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Wow, do you get it? You would have no authority over me. Do you understand that what Jesus did is he yielded? He yielded. Do you know why? Because he had God's master plan. God's master plan is that you're going to be spat upon. You're going to be beat. You're going to be within a, within a breath of your life. You're going to bleed more than any other has bled and lived. You're going to be beat down. You're going to be despised. You're going to parade through. Oh, by I know you're innocent, but that's okay. Serious? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And he says, okay, I'm going to do what you tell me to do, Father. It's kind of like the spirit of, it's kind of like the, passage in the Bible that says, so you love those who love you. So you honor those who you want to honor. What is that? How about following orders of some vicious, cruel, mean boss, ruler, dictator? Yeah. It says this in the book of Romans. It says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Every person. Can you say every person? That's me. That's you. Every person. Subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. Get it? And they who have oppressed will receive condemnation. I'm sorry. Those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Why are you sick? Why are you this? Why are you that? Because you're unrepentant, because you're not submitting yourself to the rules of God. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. That's a way to look at authority, a minister of God for good. Well, how can he do that? Because God says out of something bad, he can still do something good. That's the reason why even under evil kings, he preserved, he brought down the kind of justice that Joel talked about last week. They got their justice. But here's the deal. God's watching over his word to perform it in our life. 
But if you do evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it's necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Because when it comes down to not not hearing God, not having your prayers answered, not having the victory, being cut off and shut off, and all the things that happen in our life, you'll know that you have a good conscience and you're just waiting for God to resurrect, for God to exalt, for God to move on your behalf. For because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Now, that's a lesson for government, but nonetheless. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Here's the deal. We lose sovereignty when we break the law. You ever know somebody who had their car possessed because they were, maybe it was drugs in there? Somebody, they, they took the car. I met a guy who got a car from auction that way. It was a drug dealer's car. So you have sovereignty over it as long as you keep the law. Well, what makes you think that that's not the way it works in our Christian life, our Christian walk? If we want authority, we have to submit to authority. And the better we do with that, the more authority we'll carry. It's a greater anointing because we recognize someone else's anointing. Now, that's true of us that we're all brothers. We're all brother, sister. We're all related in the family of God, but yet God still has people that he gives different skill sets to. So I can yield to somebody else who has a skill set in an area where I don't, I don't have that. I can't focus on everything. So that's called strength that he puts among us. And the best place is where, when we're not any of us fighting for supremacy. Just recognize it. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm pastor, but the truth is everybody makes the, the church go around. We need, I need all of it. I'm just going to be one who's trying to direct and hear from God and give an overarching thing that we're, we're aiming for. I've got a responsibility, and I've got a privilege, and that's what sovereignty is. That's what authority is. It's a privilege. If there is no sovereign, then we live in a black hole that swallows all life. And being equal keeps us from recognizing any authority. That's part of what we're, we're, we're operating in in our country nowadays. It's why people are rising up all around the world against authority, becoming their own authority, and then having confusion. And you know who rose to the position of the highest? is the one who gained the most influence. And how do we gain that? Some sort of deception, some power thing, some money thing. Let's prepare our hearts for communion. You know who died and made you boss? 